Well, hey, everybody, it's Adam Shaw, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And right now at Melbourne Heights, we are working our way through the book of Joshua. And as we're working our way through this book, we're learning how God helped the people of Israel to become strong and courageous, even in the face of some adversity. And in this week's episode, we're picking up in their story with the people of Israel standing on the banks of the Jordan River on the verge of entering the promised land. Now, can you imagine the mixture of emotions they had to be feeling that day? They had to be excited about what was waiting for them on the other side of the river, but they also had to be scared because they had no idea what was actually waiting for them on the other side of the river. Well, today we're going to be seeing how they overcame the fear that they must have been feeling as they entered into the promised land. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite books when I was a kid is this one. Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well. And one of the reasons why I love this particular line is because that one line, Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well, is because that line invites you into a much bigger story. When you read that line, you can't help but wonder what made Lucy feel a little frightened, but very inquisitive and excited as well. And I promise we'll get to a point where I'll actually answer that question for you, but I don't want to skip ahead and ruin that whole story for you either. So instead of jumping right into it and explaining to you why Lucy felt a little frightened, but inquisitive and excited as well, I think we need to go back. We need to go back to where every good story starts, and that's at the beginning. And Lucy's story begins when she is exploring her massive new home along with her three older siblings. And their new home is the sort of home that you never seem to come to the end of. So together, these four children... They visit room after room after room inside of this house, finding mostly spare bedrooms and even one room that was filled with pictures and a suit of armor. And then they reach another room, a room that is almost entirely empty, except for one big wardrobe and an empty blue bottle that's sitting on a windowsill. Now, Lucy's three older siblings saw no reason to go into this room and further explore it. But Lucy stayed behind because she thought it would be worthwhile to try to open the doors of the wardrobe, even though she was almost positive that it would be locked shut. But to her surprise, when she went over to the wardrobe, it opened quite easily, and two mothballs went rolling out of the front. Looking inside, she saw several coats that were hanging up, and mostly they were long fur coats. And there was nothing that Lucy liked so much as the smell and the feel of fur. So she immediately stepped inside of the wardrobe, and she got in among the coats, and she rubbed her face against them. But she left the door of the wardrobe open, of course, because she knew it was very foolish indeed to shut oneself up in any wardrobe. Soon she went further in, and she found that there was a second row of coats hanging behind the first ones. It was almost dark, 
in there, and she kept her arm stretched out in front of her face so as not to bump in to the back of the wardrobe. And then she took another step in. Then she took two steps and three steps, always expecting that she would feel the woodwork of the back of the wardrobe touching her fingertips. But she never could feel it. This must simply be an enormous wardrobe, Lucy thought to herself, going still further inside of it and pushing the soft folds of the coat aside to make more room for her. Then she noticed that there was something that was crunching underneath of her feet. I wonder if these are more mothballs, she thought. But when she stooped down and felt them with her hands, she didn't feel the smooth wood floor of a wardrobe. Instead, she felt something soft and powdery and extremely cold. Well, this is very strange, she said, and she went another step or two further in. Next moment, she found that what was rubbing against her face and against her hands was no longer the soft fur of the coats, but now something hard and rough was rubbing against her, and it even felt prickly. Why, it's just like branches of trees, exclaimed Lucy. And then she saw that there was a light that was up ahead of her, but not a few inches away where it should have been in the back of a wardrobe, but this light was a long way off. And something cold and soft was falling on her. And a moment later she found that she was standing in the middle of a forest at nighttime with snow underneath her feet and snowflakes falling through the air. So Lucy felt a little frightened, but she was very inquisitive and excited as well. So what had made Lucy feel that way? What had made made Lucy feel a little frightened, but also inquisitive and excited as well? Well, in the story, Lucy had just entered the magical land of Narnia, a land that is frozen in eternal winter, a country that was waiting to be set free from its enslavement to a wicked white witch. A place where the great lion, Aslan, will bring hope and change. But I'm getting ahead of myself in the story again. So Lucy feels a little frightened, but very inquisitive and excited as well. Because Lucy has just begun a journey into a new place, and she's not sure what to expect. As her feet go crunching through that freshly fallen snow, She could find anything. She could find other children at play, having an epic snowball fight, or sledding down an enormous hill, or laying on their backs with their arms and their legs flailing out beside them to create beautiful snow angels. Or she could take a wrong turn. She could find herself lost in these uncharted woods. She could stumble over a hidden stone and twist an ankle, or she could end up shivering in the corner of a mysterious cave, hoping to avoid frostbite. One way or the other, Lucy simply doesn't know. She doesn't know what the future will hold. It could be excitement. It could be danger. It could be uneventful and boring. She just doesn't know. And you know what? I'm pretty sure that we can empathize with how Lucy felt in this story. And it's not because any of us have ever stumbled into a magical world that was hidden behind rows and rows of fur coats inside of a wardrobe. 
But we're all feeling a little frightened right now, a little afraid because of where we're at as a church. Over the last few weeks, our church has been working to finalize an agreement to sell our property. And we're in the same place that Lucy was when she climbed into the wardrobe and entered into this magical land of Narnia. We know exactly what's behind us. We know the fur coats that we've passed through, but we're not sure about what is waiting ahead of us. So we're a little bit frightened because just like Lucy, we've begun a journey into a new place and we're not sure what to expect. We've started our journey into a new place, but we're not sure what to expect. So we're a little afraid. We're a little afraid of those worst-case scenarios that Lucy must have been imagining inside of the story. But instead of getting lost or getting hurt or getting stuck out in the freezing cold, we're scared. We're scared that our church just won't be the same when we leave this building behind. We're afraid that we won't be able to reach new people when we're worshiping inside of a hotel's ballroom. We're afraid. We're afraid that there's just too much work that needs to be done to get us there, and we're going to fail before we even get started. But that's not the only way that we feel. That's not the only way that we feel. Just like Lucy, we're also a little inquisitive and excited as well. We're inquisitive, or another word for that is curious. We're curious about what church is going to be like on the other side of this transition. We're curious about what that hotel ballroom is going to look like when it's set up for our church services. We're curious about when and where our small groups are going to meet, and we're curious to see how many new people we're going to have the opportunity to meet and to minister to. And we're excited about that, too. We're excited about that prospect, too. We're excited about being able to do church in a different way, a way that we a way where we're not focused on maintaining a property, but on ministering to people and being on mission in the world around us. And we're excited to start reaching out to our community in a way that we haven't been able to do it in years. We're excited to try new things, to share the good news of Jesus with people who need to hear that good news. Now last Sunday, when we worshiped together, we started our journey through the book of Joshua. And I imagine that the people of Israel must have felt the same way that Lucy did in her story, the same way that we feel right now in their story. The people of Israel must have felt a little frightened, but a little bit excited as well when the book of Joshua begins. So let me encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible with me and turn to Joshua chapter 3. And as you're finding Joshua chapter 3, I just want to remind you that when the book of Joshua begins, that when this particular story begins, the, the, the people of Israel, they are on the verge of entering into the promised land. They're on the verge of crossing over the Jordan River to enter into the land that God had promised them as a people for the very first time. So for the last 40 years, all that the people of Israel had known was the wilderness, was the desert around them. All they had known were the tents and the makeshift homes that they had been living in. All they had known for 40 years was a nomadic life. But now, now they're finally going to go home. Now they're finally able to enter into a land 
where they can plant roots, where they can build homes, where they can start families, where they can really settle down. So can you imagine what it would have been like to be in their shoes when they were standing on the banks of the Jordan River waiting to enter into the promised land? There must have been excitement about that new beginning, but there also must have been a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear for them too. (coughs) They must have been afraid because the people of Israel had to remember the reports that their spies had brought back a generation earlier when they had gone into the land that they had found a land that was not only flowing with milk and honey, but a land that seemed like it was going to be hard and difficult for them to conquer. The people of Israel, they had to remember the stories that were told for a generation, tales of the giants that were waiting for them in the promised land, of the enemies that would surround them, that would be nearly impossible for them to defeat. So I want you to keep all of this in your mind as we start reading this passage from Joshua chapter 3 this morning. And we'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what we're told. We're told that Joshua took down the camp, that's the place that they had been staying in for 40 years, early in the morning. He and all the Israelites, they marched out of Shittim and came to the Jordan River, where they stayed overnight before crossing it. At the end of three days, the officers went through the middle of the camp and they commanded the people, as soon as you see the Lord your God's chest containing the covenant and the Levitical priests carrying it, You're to march out from your places and follow it. But let there be some distance between you and the ark, about 3,000 feet. Don't come too close to it. You will know the way that you should go, even though you've never traveled this way before. Joshua said to the people, Make yourselves holy. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonderful things among you. And then Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the covenant chest, the Ark of the Covenant. Go along in front of the people. So that's what they did. They lifted up the covenant chest and they went out in front of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, "Today Today I will begin to make you great in the opinion of all Israel. Then they will know that I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. And you are to command the priests who carry the covenant chest, as soon as you come to the banks of the Jordan River, stand still in the Jordan. Joshua said to the Israelites, come close, listen to the words of the Lord your God. And then Joshua said, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that you will completely remove the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites before you. Look, the covenant chest of the ruler of the entire earth is going to cross over in front of you in the Jordan. So pick 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one per tribe, the soles of the priest's feet who are carrying the chest of the Lord, ruler of the whole earth, will come to rest in the water of the Jordan. And at that moment, the water of the Jordan will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand still in a single heap. So the people marched out from their tents to cross over the Jordan. The priests carrying the covenant chest were in front of the people. When the priests who were carrying the chest came to the Jordan and their feet touched the edge of the water, the Jordan had overflowed its banks completely the way that it does during the entire harvest season. But at that moment, when the priests' feet touched the water, the water of the Jordan coming downstream stood 
still. It rose up in a single heap very far off, just below Adam, which is the city, next to Zarethan. The water going down to the desert sea, that is the Dead Sea, was cut off completely. And the people of Israel crossed opposite Jericho. So the priests carrying the Lord's covenant chest stood firmly on dry land in the middle of the Jordan. Meanwhile, all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation finished crossing over the river. So as this story begins, the people of Israel aren't far from the Jordan River. Soon they're going to cross over this river and they're going to enter into the land that God has promised them for generations. And as they're standing there on the banks of the Jordan River, you got to believe that they were a little frightened. You have to believe they were a little scared. Yes, they were about to enter into this land that God had promised them for generations, but it's not going to be easy for them to conquer the land. They know that the promised land is already inhabited by the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. So the people of Israel, they're afraid. They're afraid that their enemies are going to be too strong to be defeated. They are afraid that their army may not survive. The people of Israel are afraid that it may take them years to conquer the promised land at best. And at worst, they're afraid that they'll be conquered instead. So God tells the people of Israel that he is going to do something. That he is going to do something for them that will show them that God is going to completely remove every obstacle that stands in their way. And what is that something that God is going to do? God is going to make the Jordan River stop flowing so that the people of Israel can cross over, can enter into the promised land on dry ground. And right now, with everything that is going on, with everything that we're facing as a church, wouldn't it be incredible if God would do the exact same thing for us too? Wouldn't it be incredible? Because the truth is, we're frightened, too. We're frightened. We're afraid that the challenges that are in front of us might be too big for us to overcome. We're afraid. We're afraid that we're going to lose some of our members and regular attenders as we make our way through this transition. We're afraid. We're afraid that it's going to take us longer than, it's, than we expect to move through this transition or that we won't make it through this transition at all. So wouldn't it be great if God would give us some kind of sign to, to show us that he's going to remove every obstacle that we'll face. But here's the thing about this story that we just read. This story isn't really a story about the miraculous sign that God is going to give the people of Israel. This story is really a story about Israel's faith in God even when they're afraid. And I can say that because of when God gives this sign. I can say that because of when God tells the Israelites that they are going to see him do a mighty work in their midst. I can tell you that because of when God parts the Jordan River. Did you notice when that happened in the story? It doesn't happen when the people of Israel are just standing on the banks of the Jordan River waiting to cross. God doesn't stop the Jordan River from flowing 
until the first people's feet are in the water. God acts after the people of Israel have already stepped out in faith. Now let me be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if God is going to give us some kind of sign that everything is going to be okay for Melbourne Heights when we step out in faith. I don't know if there is some proverbial river out there that is waiting to be parted so we can cross over it on dry ground. But I do know that God is calling all of us to step out in faith. And that's scary. It's scary. It is scary to step out in faith when you don't know what the future holds. But following God doesn't mean that you won't have moments when you're scared. Having faith means that you trust God even when you're scared. Having faith means that you will trust in God even when you're scared. That's what the people of Israel did. Even when they were afraid about what was waiting for them on the other side of the Jordan River, they stepped out in faith. They stepped out in faith, and when the feet of their priests hit the water, God acted for them. God's calling us to do the same thing, to step out in faith, even though we don't know what the future is going to hold for us. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you strong enough? Are you bold and courageous enough to take that step of faith? Even if you're a little frightened, even if you're a little scared by what the future may hold. God has called us to have that bold faith, to have that strong faith. But you have to take the step. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the story of the people of Israel as they begin to cross over the Jordan River, and enter into the promised land. God, we thank you that they were bold enough, that they were courageous enough, that they were strong enough to step out in faith, that they didn't let their fears about what the future would hold to hold them back, that they trusted in you in spite of the fears that they had. God, you know that there are a lot of things that we as a church are a little afraid of right now. But God, you also know that there are things that we are curious and excited about as well. So God, let us not be overwhelmed by the fear that we have, but let us be reminded of the future that you hold for us, God. And let us chase boldly after you wherever you lead. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And as you've listened, I hope that you've been challenged to step out in your faith. Yes, it's true that following God can be a little bit scary, but it can also be so exciting as well. But you're never going to get to that exciting part if you don't trust God enough to step out in your faith where you are. So whatever it is that you feel like God is asking you or calling you to do, be willing to take that step out in faith and see what God does next. 
Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue making our way through the book of Joshua. Next week, we're going to be exploring one of the craziest stories in the entire Bible. It's the story of the Battle of Jericho. And this battle isn't won because of superior military strategy or might. It's won by music and shouting. So I encourage you to tune back in for our next episode. That episode will drop next Sunday afternoon. And if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And as always, I'm going to be praying for you this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.